knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... Big Dog Sports Talk Power Hour. Underway. Thanks to uh, Kenny Brooks for joining us. Virginia Tech awaits to find out whether or not they will receive that well-deserved number one seed on Sunday. White Vic coming up in about half an hour. Joining us now from Greensboro in the ACC tournament. Nothing sounds better to say. David Till joining us from the ACC tournament. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm well, Rick. Hope you and your listeners are the same. Uh, we're doing great, and my goodness gracious, I'm so happy for you because uh, I love the fact that. I mean, you took that opening picture, and it meant so much, right? You were there the other night, the first-round games, and taking that picture. What's it still mean to you to be at the ACC tournament? Because I don't think anything goes hand-to-hand more yourself in this event. Well, that's very kind. Uh, they, they held 40 or 39 of these without me. So. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure they'll have more than 39 without me once I uh, hit, the, hit the bricks. But uh, to have been here for 40 consecutive ACC tournaments is pretty darn cool, and it's uh, my favorite event of the year. It's an annual reunion of the ACC family and fans, and um, the basketball is usually pretty darn good. <laughs> it really is, as we saw yesterday. And I want to get into it, the early sessions first. I mean, Wake Forest, the shot at the end, Jay ba- uh, Jim Beheim announcing his uh, retirement. Uh, just your thoughts about all that, and what a way to open up Wednesday with that first game. Well, it was very peculiar, Rich. Jim actually didn't announce his retirement. I mean, in his post-game press conference, Donna DeToto of the Syracuse Post-Standard asked Bayheim what his plans were, and he became very wistful and reflective. But when she pressed him, are you, are you saying that you are retiring? And he's like, no, that's up to the school. Well, what do you want to do? That's mm-hmm. up to the school. And it was, it was very odd. And then within hours, Syracuse issues a press release, doesn't use the word retired, just says he's done. And Red Autry, the former Virginia Tech assistant under Seth Greenberg, is the new head coach. 
Well, it was a little strange, wasn't it? It was a maybe like there were conversations that were going on before the whole thing started that kind of leaked out with some of the questioning, right, after the game. Well, I, I think there have been conversations going on for years between Coach Beheim and Syracuse's administration, and I imagine they came to a head, at least from the administration's point of view, this season, because Syracuse, as usual, the program has become mired in mediocrity, mm-hmm. and number two, and number two, and, and this is a high bar that he has set. Jim Beheim became cranky even for him. And he accused several ACC schools, including Wake Forest and Pitt, of buying their rosters this year. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, NIL is legal. And number two, Syracuse has a robust NIL program financed by a well-heeled booster. So please spare us that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then he's, he's getting snippy with student reporters, and it was time. Yeah, it was time, no doubt about it. And the league will uh, move on, and as it did later in the day with Pitt, a team that we uh, really feel like is already in the tournament. That's going to be a pretty good matchup, right, this uh, this first game. I mean, where, where do you see teams like that? Are we still thinking five or six for the ACC? Did Carolina – do enough. I mean, Wake and Miami, they have a lot to do. Wake to still get there. Pitt can increase their resume with the win over Duke. But boy, this quarterfinal to me is just, it's outstanding all day long. Yes, it absolutely is. And I think five ACC teams are set. Thought of coming into the tournament, thinking even more after yesterday's result. Uh, Pitt, NC State, Miami, Duke, Virginia. They're five. The questions are Clemson and North Carolina, and they're the only two that can get into the at-large conversation. Is Carolina there yet? I don't believe so. I don't think Boston beating Boston College last night did Tar Heels lick a good. Tar Heels need to beat Virginia tonight. And Clemson, NC State, if Clemson could beat NC State for the second time in the last week and a half, two weeks, I think it would really, really enhance the Tigers' chances. Well, let's talk about the game that you wrote about today, the late one. A lot of the fans tried to stay up. Many have told me they couldn't, so they were surprised to see how easily NC State scored the basketball. And as you noted in your tweet, I mean, they set an all-time tournament record for the program. I mean, not a good night for Mike Young's defense. No, but, Rick, I don't think Virginia Tech – defended poorly in stretches last night. When Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner are knocking in 30-footers, there's not a lot you can do. And, and that's precisely what they did. And you mentioned NC State has played 132 ACC tournament games in its history. And last night was its most accurate shooting ever in the event along the lines of 62%. Mm. Um, that's that's remarkable. Now, is Tech's interior defense good? No. But, again, when your opponent is knocking down 30-footers and stretching your defense, your interior becomes vulnerable. 
and that's what happened. And then then it snowballed. I mean, Virginia Tech shot, I think, 68% in the second half last night and never got within or closer than 18 points. Mike Young, who over the years, one of the reasons I know you and I both, I mean, I, one of the reasons we like talking to him, he's always up front. I like what he said, right? He expected more out of this team. He was very honest, wasn't he, after the game? He absolutely was, and he was right to expect more from this team. Now, did they have some bad injury luck? Absolutely. I think Rodney Reich showed us last night just how much he could have contributed had he been healthy last year. I mean, last night was his seventh college game, and he banged in the or a uh, team high seventeen points. Just looked very comfortable running running the point as as the lead guard. And he's going to be a really nice player moving forward at the point guard position. David Teal joining us on the program. He's covering the ACC tournament down in Greensboro, the Hall of Famer. So the NIT likely, if they do get an invitation, I think that's the thing right now people need to understand. I mean, it's not automatic. Tech's going to get an invitation. A lot of the folks I heard from, you think Tech will accept it. Well, they've got to get one first, right, from the NIT. Yes, and my my sense is, yes, they would accept it. They have put in a bid to host the first round. It would have to be very early next week because the women will be hosting the NCAA tournament later in the week. Um, but a lot may depend, Rick, on what happens with Clemson and North Carolina. Mm-hmm regarding the NCAA tournament and just how many spots the 32-team NIT bracket has for ACC teams. Because remember, the NIT is obligated to take any regular season conference champion that does not win its league tournament. Right. So that can gobble up a whole lot of those 32 spots. You know, for for instance, let's say VCU does not win the Atlantic 10 tournament and is left out of the NCAA bracket. Well, then VCU is an automatic NIT squad. And when you say 32 teams, people think, well, they have 32 choices. Well, they don't because they've already seen some bid stealers in other leagues, right, knocking off those regular season champs, and VCU would just be another one if that happened. Exactly. Well, well, we'll see how it all plays out. What's your feeling now, David? You've seen them, and we're setting up with this great quarterfinal. I'm still leaning. I think I'm leaning toward Duke to win this thing. What do you think? Who's your favorite right now, the final eight? I would really – I've said it since the teams met in the regular season in Charlottesville and had that very controversial finish. Uh, that still annoys fan bases from both schools, which is, <laughs> which is bizarre to me. But I think a Duke-Virginia final Saturday night would be epic. Now, there are traditionalists here, Rick, especially those from the Tar Heel State, who would love to see the four North Carolina schools win today. And then we would have an old-fashioned Big Four tournament mm-hmm. tomorrow night in the semifinals in Greensboro, uh, where the ACC was founded, 
and where the league is is essentially abandoning ship to move the conference headquarters to Charlotte. Well, finally, David, I want to ask you, because this comes up a lot here from listeners, and you had a good piece about the image of this conference right now heading into the postseason. Can you talk about Mm -hmm. that, and how do you think this league is perceived? I guess we'll find out for sure on Sunday, but how do you think it is perceived right now this season? Has it been overall an underachieving league this year? Well, it it was during the non-conference, and that's the only way you can really judge the league. Now, does does the ACC have some good teams that can do some damage in the NCAA bracket? I believe yes. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't want to play Miami. I don't want to play NC State. I don't want to play Virginia. I don't want to play Duke. I mean, or Pitt. I I think any or all five of those teams could get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. The ACC's problem this year is that the bottom was so bad during the non-conference and sometimes during the conference season. Notre Dame, Louisville. Florida State, Georgia Tech, Boston College. That's five of your 15 below 150 in the net rankings. Rick, every team in the Big 12 is in the top 70. Right. And the ACC has one-third of its membership below 150. That's a problem. Haven't seen that type of separation while, right? I mean, can you remember a year that mimics this? I mean, that that is is yeah. that that's from one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah, no, not when the bottom is that bad, and that that speaks to you know in in, in many regards on a on a larger scale programs such as Louisville, Syracuse, and until this season, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm just have not performed since joining the ACC. I mean, Louisville is historically dreadful this season, but but those three programs, Louisville, Syracuse, Pitt, have been in the ACC for a decade or more, and they have combined to reach one ACC tournament semifinal. Not final. They've never, none of those three has ever been to a final. Right. It made the semifinals in its first season in the league since none of them has played in an ACC semi. Mm. Well, it's a pretty damning statement, right, when the uh, the model of the basketball part of this thing is also kind of picking up the reputation of the football side, right, not getting a lot of national love or respect. And now this year, the basketball league picking a bad time to have a bad season like this. Yeah, well, they got to earn it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and doesn't mean they can't earn it in the NCAA tournament. I mean, the narrative was very similar last year, Rick. And the ACC had only sent five teams to the league. That's the fewest it's ever had as a 15-member conference. And then they get Duke and Carolina in the Final Four, Miami in the Elite Eight, Notre Dame advances two rounds, and the Tar Heels are probably an Armando Baycott sprained ankle away from winning the national title. So what's your definition of a great season? Are five bids disappointing? Yeah, maybe. But then you just won 14 games in the NCAA tournament, which is more than any other conference, and you put two teams in the Final Four. Before I let you off, David, Mike Bray, is he coaching or on TV next year? What do you think? I know what he wants to do. Yeah. He wants wants to coach. 
whether something opens up that's a good fit for him is another story. Might he be a natural at, at, at Georgetown because of his DC? You know, that's his home. DC mm-hmm. is his home. Mm-hmm. And he obviously knows the Big East. Uh, I think the one thing that would dissuade Mike from television is he might have to shave more often. <laughs> Very true. I just don't want him to go away. I think we need all the Mike Braves we can get in today's college athletics world. So I hope he's around some way. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. All right, David, I know you're going to have a great day, man. Have a lot of fun today at the arena, and uh, we enjoy uh, finding out your reaction to each and every one of these games as the day goes on. Appreciate your time, my friend. All right. Thanks, Rick. Take care. That's David Till, the Hall of Famer from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Yeah, that's true. Coach Bray doesn't like to show yeah, we opened up the season with him. He wasn't shaved. Bradford University. Dwight Vick joins us in about 10 minutes. We'll be back rolling along here. 8 o'clock power hour on full swing. Dog Sports Talk is taking a timeout. Now hold, wait a minute, timeout. You want to say that one more time without the sarcasm? BTSD will return in a moment on WRAD. About to hit the uh, bottom of the hour news break coming up. Hope you're well wherever you might be. Great stuff from David Teal. Before that, Kenny Brooks. Coming up, the White Vic. And I have read your text messages. I know that many people are panicked right now with the lack of uh, position coaches being replaced. I'm going to ask Dwight about how important is it, especially for that offensive line, right? How important is it not to have that guy in place? You realize practice gets underway in seven days. Just saying. Spring ball is here. So. But anyway, I digress. You heard David Teal talk about uh, Tech. They have already put a bid in to, uh, if they are given an NIT invite, they would host, they would like to host, have to center that around and uh, work that around what Tech Women will do in terms of their NCAA hosting, but um, we shall see what happens with the NIT and how many bid thefts. It's a great point. I mean, you don't think about that, but the NIT is only 32 teams, so regular season champs that are the number one seed in their tournaments, well, if (laughs) they don't win that tournament, they automatically go to that NIT. So that takes away Power 5 offerings. So we'll see what happens there with that league and all these things will be after the ncaa tournament field is announced on sunday you'll see it go in order um the ncaa obviously then the nit and then the the cbis and the cits i've mentioned already that radford will be playing in the cbi 
down at Daytona Beach. So that's coming up um, next weekend, as a matter of fact. So there you go. All right. One more segment to come. And it's Dwight Vick. When we come back here on this Thursday, glad to have you with us. If a question or comment for Dwight, send me a text message, 744-2990, as we roll along. Stay with us. Twenty-five minutes for the top of the hour. Our thanks to uh, Kenny Brooks, head women's basketball coach at Virginia Tech, David Teal. Keeping it rolling right now. Our final segment for another day. He is the creator of Victory Life, all covers performer at Virginia Tech. In my mind, the authority on all things Virginia Tech football. His name is Dwight Vick. Dwight, how are you? Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be back on. No, yeah, it's good to have you back on, my friend. Thank you so much for your time, as always, and. Uh, well, we get right down to the brass tacks, Dwight, uh, since it was the position that you start on, or at least the position group that you were a star on. How vital is it for Virginia Tech, first, to find the right offensive line coach, and how big of a problem is it the fact that we still don't have an announcement about uh, who's going to replace Joe Rudolph? You know, at this point, man, I'm, I'm a little um, surprised. Um, I know... I don't know the coach's schedules, like as far as um, breaks and things like that. You know, um, I know they, they, you know, dead pairs, live pairs, recruiting and all of that. But, um, you know, I think I saw this morning when I was just skimming through Twitter, the spring game or spring ball was five weeks away or spring game. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, man, um, you know, in order for us to take that next step as a program, uh, you gotta really, you gotta really have these kind of things done. But I guess it's one of those things where you don't want to rush it. Um, as I said to you last week and your listeners, you know, if if Pride and staff and uh, Wit don't go with Ty Washington, they go with whoever else. I'm okay with that because um, I'm gonna support the program. I guess, you know, maybe interviews are taking place. I don't know. Um, I, I I'm just disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I try to keep a rational mind, as you know, and it's well-documented. That's just what I am. So I try not to overreact um, like a fan or a potential fan may be when it comes to, like, their impatience. Um, you want to get the right hire, but I thought we had one with Rudolph, and he left. So, you know, um, again, I'm going to say this, but you need to get, you need to get a guy that's going to stick around a little while and build something with the old offensive line. The offensive line was not a strength last year. No. It wasn't. It was a liability, if anything. I mean, um, not to pick on them, but there were a lot of games in which um, a lot of games we had tons of pre-snap penalties after timeouts. Um, uh, there were times that we were not able to get many third and fourth and ones, just no push whatsoever in the interior. Um, blitz pickup was a huge problem. Um, I don't think it's a talent issue. I've often said, yes, um, talent – can definitely be the difference between making a play and not making a play. But if you know how to execute and win games, um, you know, you, you, you will, you will be in a position 
to have a successful season. Um, when you look at Wake Forest, some of the other teams in the ACC, um, I think there's no there's there's a direct correlation between their offensive and defensive line production versus the teams that are three and seven or are struggling um, to win games. Because I think you look at offensive line play. I think you look at teams like Virginia Tech and UVA. Their offensive lines were suspect. They weren't consistent. Um, and that's unfortunate because I think, you know, if you go back uh, to, you know, the glory days of Virginia Tech or even even um, when they had Dwayne Brown and those guys with Brian Randall and, and everything um, and Tyrod and the offensive line, it wasn't so much that, you know, there weren't struggles, but I think if you look at um, talent also versus steam and efficiency, offensive line play was, was one of those things we didn't really concern ourselves with. Now, you can be critical of, like, the offensive play calling, but as far as offensive line performance, I always felt like Virginia Tech was right there with some of the to better programs when it comes to run blocking, pass protection. Um, but, again, um, I'm not an AD. I'm not a coach. Um, I'm an observer. You know, I have my thoughts. But I definitely am a little, little surprised we haven't really heard anything, any movement about interviews and potential hires. How long – do you estimate it takes for somebody else to come in? We're now exactly a week away from spring practice. Even if Coach Pry announces today, here's the new guy. Um, how long does it take, do you think, for you know whatever this coach is going to do to coach up this group to kind of start to be absorbed by the players, whether it's you know cadence calls, whatever it might be, this whole repertoire, I mean – how long does that take, do you think, for offensive linemen to adapt from a coach from one year who was there and now he's gone to what this new coach is going to ask of them? It's not, it's not a benefit. It's not a, it's not, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't lie to you anyway. But it's not a, it's not a, it's not a plus. It's a, it's a challenge. It's, a, it's, it's not um, – it's, 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 it's going to be a hindrance. It's going to be um, um, a, a challenge. doesn't mean it's going to be set in stone where it's going to be a continued problem. But, I mean – Consistency, um, familiarity, you know, just understanding, you know, how do we report, who I, do, who I report to, um, what his expectations are, are critical. Um, you know, you have a guy come in whenever he's hired. Uh, if he comes in midway through the spring or if he comes in right before the spring starts, um, he's got an uphill battle because he's got to go in, he's got to get familiar. You see, again, see, let me just say this, Rick. It's not so much about getting familiar with your players and the cadence and what scheme and what foot to step with. It's getting familiar with the culture. So if this guy comes from some MAC program or conference or another ACC school or whatever, he's got to get familiar with what exits to take to get to campus. What, a, what a house is he going to stay in? You know, the school system if he has kids. How to get around the facilities. You know, where do they go? The rhythm of being – uh, part of a football program. My father, six years in Blacksburg as a player, and I was also, after I got released from the Ravens, a stream coach, I knew my way around southwest Virginia, Radford, Christiansburg, and Blacksburg. Mm-hmm. I, it was my home. I had an apartment. I lived in Collegiate Suites and Terrence View and Fox Ridge and Pheasant Run. I knew my way around. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I look at my son, you know, when he's a freshman, you know, you're nervous, you don't know the school, you don't know what to expect. Then you by your junior year, you know, you're walking around like you own the place. Um, those are small things fans don't think about. We think we get a high, you do a press conference, 
and we get the whole, I'm very happy to be here. This is a dream school. And then we'll text one of these places I've always wanted to be at. I've always known, black, you know, all the rhetoric, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the part that they got to go in and sit with the players and go over a film review. It's getting familiar with the university and the ins and outs. And where do I go for stakes? And what do I do if my son has a fever? It's living arrangements. It's all the transition that takes place if you and I move to a different state or city or different uh, location. And on top of it, then you got to go as a coach and go in and evaluate because if you have not been coaching this team, you have to now spend through hours of tape and going through game film to see what you have in personnel. And these are not guys you have recruited, and there may be a few guys you don't really like as players. Mm-hmm. This is why I say it's critical to get guys that's going to be there for a little while because Rudolph came in and now he's gone. So if you recruit a guy to come in and play for you for him, he's got to decide if he wants to stay because we always know that transfer portal is around the corner. So, again, this was not a – I wasn't worried about the quarterbacks, coach, but the old line coaches I said was a concern. Not that so much our offensive line was great. It was because you lose somebody you expected to have. Well, I agree 100%, and that's the message that I kind of received from Coach himself when Coach Pryor was with us, Dwight. One of the things he was most proud of heading into – his second spring was he kept everybody, right? Fontel Mines had turned mm-hmm. down Penn State. And then what happened? I think it was literally two days later. Coach Glenn left, and then two days later, Joe Rudolph left. So I'm not sure how much of this was known behind the scenes. I, I feel like maybe he, he realized Coach Glenn may go, but I get the impression that the Joe Rudolph departure kind of kind of shocked him a little bit, kind of surprised him a little bit. It had to, and that's why, you know, I don't blame Pry. It's a business. I don't think I don't think that Rudolph came in with the agenda of staying just one season, but, you know, look, and this is going to rough, ruffle some feathers, I don't care. There are a lot of coaches that are coaching that are older who are just trying to get to that finish line. That's right. You know, to make sure they cash a check that they can get their, you know, retirement or they have money saved up to sit back. I'm not saying Rudolph is that guy, but that's why I said you look at guys like Ty Washington and younger coaches or coaches in their 40s or guys that really want to be somewhere and they have the, the, the uh, credibility and the, and the skill set and the resume that fits that build, you're better off going with them. You're better off getting a guy or guys that want to be in that building for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm not saying we're going to ever have a run like Beaver. We had guys there 25, 26, 19 years. I'm just saying that you want to get guys that really are hungry. Like Pearson Prelo is hungry to be a safeties coach. Coach um, DJ, you know, is constantly talking about Blacksburg and wings and where to be and recruiting. And I need some guys to come in and help us win championships. I think some of these older guys, some of these coaches have been around. I think they get to a point where they get complacent. Or they're just like, you know what, you know, it's, it is what it is. I'm not trying to take shots at Rudolph. I'm saying, look, again, you look at a guy like Jim Behan yesterday. Uh, I believe Syracuse let him go. There was a mutually agreed or whatever it was. I said to my wife when I saw the news last night before I went to bed, I said, that's four years too late. I could tell Behan had checked out years ago. No doubt. I mean, come on, man. This is Syracuse. Right. I mean, I know we're talking football in Virginia Tech, but I think some of these guys get to these schools and they get up in these press conferences and they say what they say. And they get their direct deposit, and they, and they shake hands and kiss babies, and they come out here. But I think some of these guys are not in it to win it. I think some guys are there to coach, and it sounds good. 
and they do the interviews and they jump on your show. But some of these guys really want to be there. Like a guy like J.C. Price. I know I'm a little biased, but I am honest. You can tell when J.C. and his wife came back to Blacksburg, yeah. they really yeah. wanted to be there. You can tell that J.C., when he punched his hand before the bowl game, the pinstripe bowl game against Maryland, really wanted to win that game. The emotion after the UVA game. That's what you better start getting in Blacksburg because it's a unique area, unique town. It is not South Beach. It's not Atlanta. It is not you know, Tallahassee. It's Blacksburg. And you better get guys that are going to be in there that's going to help you achieve your vision, me and you, Coach Fry, for that university. Not guys that want to come in because they, you know, the staff got fired down in South Carolina or something like that, and they gain his job or it's a pit stop. And look, we've seen this movie before with guys like Leffler and Michael Kane, and I can keep name dropping. I knew when Michael Kane, that's Beamer's guy, when he came in, he was there because he had gotten fired at previous two previous schools, including NC State. So he was just there. He needed a job. Right. So, he, you know, Beamer looked out for him. Hey, come coach with me. Leffler, I was covering Tech at the time. I did the pregame sports game show with Kyle Bailey before um, uh, um, Bill Roth and um, uh, Mike Burnham came on. We did the, a pregame radio show on the grassy knoll. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew Leffler. I covered the postgame show um, in the presser. And um, I knew Leffler was not going to be there long. That's why, you know, when a better situation or something came for him, he left. You know, and um, – I just think it's critical you better get guys that want to be there with you. When you're building a staff, you need to get guys that are all in. And I know it's a business, so sometimes you might have to relocate or go somewhere to be closer to your parents because some health issues. There's a variety of reasons where you have to step away. But I think right now the offensive line, if you want to be in contention to win a conference championship these next three years and build something and keep getting the right people as players in Blacksburg, you got to get guys that are all in. And I don't know if Rudolph was ever all in. I thought he was, but maybe I was blinded by the fact that I was always in love with those Wisconsin offensive lines. <laughs> right. But when you leave after one year to go to Notre Dame, I mean, really? Come on. I mean, honestly, what's the reason? What's the reason? I don't care about that little statement. What's the reason? Yeah. You know, so stop it. Miss me with these. I'm just over these these pressers and these lies and this, you know, Again, now you fans see why I say I'm cautiously optimistic, why I keep guarded when I see these guys come into my town that pretend to want to see Virginia Tech do well. I'm sorry. That's just me being honest on your show this morning, Rick. No, and it felt that way from the get-go with him in particular, right? I mean, it was kind of curious how a guy so well-decorated would leave Wisconsin and they didn't really try to retain him very badly from what I heard, and then he ends up in – Southwest Virginia, and clearly he's a Midwestern guy. Heck, he played at Wisconsin. So now he goes back after one year to that same area. Did he try to do something different, didn't like it, or is it the lure of Notre Dame? But you're right, Dwight, and I think the bottom line is this. Your point's well taken. He didn't want to be here, and I think he didn't want to be here probably a lot sooner than the end came when we found out he was leaving. Just my You don't leave that quickly, man. You don't leave that quickly. Listen – and I heard the same stuff you heard. And again, I was, I will, I am always honest on your show to you and your listeners. Absolutely. I was excited because I knew what Wisconsin stood for when it came to offensive line and running game play and just the fact that they win every year in a great conference in the Big Ten. So why wouldn't he be a great fit in a program that wants to get back to running the ball, ball control, play action, which is what Pride talked about, having an identity? And then you leave. 
And again, I have the utmost respect for Notre Dame. I mean, they've been in playoffs here in the last four out of six years. They're a great program. Obviously, the Fighting Irish, they're the Duke Blue Devils of college football. I mean, they are always in it. They come on TV. They got their own channel. But I mean, just I just stop getting these guys that's lying to us. Like, I just feel like Marvin and those guys want to be in Blacksburg. I feel like, you know, yes, it's a business. If a better situation comes, you should take it. But miss me with this, you know, the angels came down and the clouds opened up and I had a vision <laughs> of being black. Stop it. Stop it. I agree. I don't want to hear it. You know, just say, hey, look, man, this is a good opportunity for me. I need to get paid. And I, it's a business. I want to be here. Hopefully I can be here for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Or get a guy that wants to come to tech and that has that resume. You know, I just think if you look at a lot of these guys we've had since the Bema era ended, and I don't mean just the head coaches, some of these position coaches, it's a pit stop, Fuente included. Where you look at the women's basketball program, he wants to be there. Absolutely. And Kenny Brooks, if you look at the men's basketball program, his staff wants to be there. Mm-hmm. If you look at the wrestling coach, who I love, my man Tony Rowe, Roby, he wants to be there. They want to be there. And they've been there. And guess what the results have been? Wins. Right. It's a great point. It's a great point. There's no doubt. And you're right. That that statement to me that he made was it was almost laughable. I'm talking about Rudolph. I would have rather heard Dwight. You know what? I'd rather him say, you know what? I got here to Blacksburg. It, uh, uh, you know, Coach Price, great. It wasn't for me and my family. And a chance like Notre Dame, I can't say no because it's Notre Thank Dame. Thank you. Right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's why to you and your listeners, man, look, I know you guys are critical, not so much yourself, but we get on these players when they just jump in the portal when things get rough, whatever. It ain't just them. No. It ain't just them. No. <laughs> no. It's great, man. It's I said this before. I said – Coaches hit the portal, too, before the portal existed. They hit the portal, too. <laughs> That's right. There was a coach's portal well before the players had one. That's Bingo. Exactly right. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's a great conversation, man. I appreciate you so much. And, uh, hey, congratulations, everything. Your, your son's still getting it done, man. Postseason's here. He's still playing well, right? Everybody's still doing well. Yeah, tomorrow night, state championship, Division Six against the defending state champions in Hayfield. They oh. played them the start of the season. And they lost at the buzzer, so they get a chance at redemption Friday night, 8 o'clock. All right. At the Seagull Center of VCU. And Dad will be more nervous than Son. There's no doubt. (laughs) Absolutely, man. I will, man. So all the prayers up, fingers crossed, for a healthy game and a victory for Victory Life and uh, the Prince of Victory Life, Isaiah Vick. Absolutely. Go, Isaiah. Go, Isaiah. All right, man. Well, good luck luck in the game tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate you as always. Thanks, Thank you. Great stuff from Dwight Vick. Hey, bringing it honest as always, and that's why so many of you every week make sure that you tell me how much you enjoy hearing from Dwight. He's exactly right. And that's all we needed from Joe Rudolph. I came to Blacksburg. My family didn't really uh, – we just didn't fit. And, oh, my gosh, it's Notre Dame. It's part of the country we're used to. So – Good luck to Tech, but this is where I want to be. And you could have taken that a lot better than some statement that, well, some of the things that he said. All right, we're back to wrap it up here on a Thursday. I was listening to the broadcast, and I was wondering, what exactly is it? You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk. More BDSD next on WRAD. I'm meteorologist Leo Hasbrunner. Today we'll see an increase in cloudiness.
All right, we are done here on this Thursday. My thanks to Kenny Brooks, David Teal, and Dwight Vick. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. Tomorrow, the Finally Friday edition, uh, scheduled to be joined by Jen, Mike Ashley. Who knows what else might happen? Great to hear from so many of you on the text line at 744-2990. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. Thank you so much. Hope we made your day a little better here in the morning. We'll see you tomorrow to wrap up another week. Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.